Hey everybody. Hello. It's ya boy, Anna Renfro. And ya girl, Violet Knight. How's it going, Violet? I am doing pretty okay, Connor. How about you? You know, I'm actually doing pretty well. I am very glad to hear that. It hasn't been great lately, but I feel like Mercury is gonna go direct in four days and I can finally be happy again. As somebody who is very much on the fringe of astrology, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. All right, I'm not gonna get into it, but if you know about Mercury retrograde, you know if you don't know google it because we're not going to waste our time talking about it because astrology is fake as shit i mean fair but it's still fun and frankly i think it's fascinating it's just i know nothing about it all i know literally all i know is i'm a cancer and a june cancer at that. you are a cancer i am a cancer. you're a cancer to the trans community i've been called that before have you i mean by you <laughs> Sorry, I'm like actually just misappropriating a joke you made in the past that our audience doesn't know about. I mean, that's true, but whatever. The point is, yes, I am a cancer and you are. I mean, I know what you are, but you can still tell the audience. Actually, Uh, you know what? Before you tell everybody in the audience, if you know even remotely anything about uh, astrology, guess what Connor is. Three, two, one. All guesses are final. Connor, what astrological sign are you? I'm a Scorpio sun, (laughs) Aquarius moon, Virgo rising. Beautiful. Thank you. I totally, I love that for you. Yeah, it's like I'm a total drama queen. I'm completely self-loathing. And the persona I project out into the world is a control freak. I would never call you a control freak, but I totally, I can see you like you're, you're adjacent. Right. Yeah. It's only my rising sign. It's not central to my identity, but it's what I put out there. Right. Cold, calculating. You know, Virgos are psychotic. They're a mutable sign. They're an earth sign. They love domesticity. They love lists. And they're fucking soulless. To this day, I don't think I've ever dated somebody who wasn't an Earth <laughs> And that was not by design. It just happened that way. Were they all like Tauruses? At least 75% of them were Tauruses. And the other one was a Capricorn? Is it a Libra or a Virgo that's an Earth sign? Virgo is Earth. Libra is air. Um, Then it was a Virgo. Oh, Virgos are my weakness. Oh, I know in the Chinese zodiac of a dog. I am a cock. Yeah, you are a cock. Rooster. I am a dog. I'm a bitch (laughs) you filthy filthy bitch connor that's the only thing you could ever say to me anymore to help me get off (laughs) my now that i know my mom listens to these we might have to go back and cut that or at least believe it what does your mom not like it when i call you a bitch no but she probably doesn't like the idea of me talking about getting off to something (sighs) i mean your mom listened wait no let's not bring up past episodes if our audience knows what's good for them they won't actually go past episode four all i know is my mom has listened to things that i didn't expect her to ever hear from me so we've already broken the ice on that one i guess i could bring my own mom into the fold i mean if you're willing to yeah it's not like i've confessed to anything too sordid right it's true like the only things that we've ever even talked about that would be really problematic for your mom like you've asked me to cut and we did cut it out right that i can think of yeah like my childhood suicidal ideation see that's a perfect example of something that was cut out of a earlier (laughs) video speaking of things that should be cut let's talk about being queer oh my god but first violet do you have any baggage with the word queer I thought you were trying to be like really weirdly metaphysical and you were trying to say, do you have any emotional baggage that has the label queer on it? Not about the word queer itself. And I was like, yeah, I've got tons of queer based baggage. But then (laughs) about the word itself, I don't, I mean, 
I can tell you a little bit about my context of the word. Yeah, go for it. When back in the early 2000s, where like gay was the popular go-to insult, especially for middle school boys and middle school like people in general. Um, it wasn't in my middle school. Like in my middle school, queer was the thing you go to when you call somebody like to try to isolate somebody or alienate somebody. You would just call them queer. You wouldn't call them gay. You would just go straight for queer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there was a lot of lunchroom talks where I was like, man, did you hear about this person? Totally queer, dude. Because that's how everybody in 2006 talked. <laughs> they all said dude. They all said dude. And they all said, man, I can't wait for the first black president. <laughs> I'm kidding. South Carolina, that was never on topic. No. All right. I ask because... I use the word queer as like an umbrella for like non-heteronormative identity. For the purposes of this episode, I wanted to kind of like clear that air, give that caveat. I know some for some people, it's still like a huge slur and it hasn't been reclaimed for them. Right. And I wanted to know if you were going to use it the same as me or if we should find a different language. Oh, I think we're going to use it the same way because, in my opinion, I think queer has been pretty sufficiently reclaimed. Queer being, like you said, an umbrella term for anybody who's non-cishet. Like, it can refer to anybody that is, like, outside of what is supposedly the normalized gender binary or somebody who is outside of, like, heterosexuality. If it's any, if it is any associated with any letter of the acronym, then it's, like, can be qualified as queer. That brings up an interesting point because I've had people try to say that, like, BD BDSM or polyamory or like any kink is technically queer because it's non-normative. See, I would be, I'm really hesitant to ever say that because that means like, this is going to sound very strange, but that kink polyamory might be a different story but i really don't know how to break into that one right now but like especially for things like bdsm if it starts to be part of your everyday life and it's an identity that is inalienable from yourself and your everyday working day life then i would say it gets a letter you know what i mean like um like being gay being transgender if you have a husband if you have a wife if you um if you are of a gender like a non-birth assigned gender identity then I would say that that's something inalienable from yourself that you do carry with you every day and therefore it gets to be part of like the community. But anything that is rooted in a fetishistic understanding of the world that is exclusively related to sexuality and does not ever leave the bedroom, I think it's a different thing. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I agree with you. My understanding of queer is that, like you said, it's an integral part of your identity. And for kinksters, if your kink is part of your identity then i don't know that's a little hmm like i don't i don't think about my bedroom activity as like integral to my sense of self whereas the people with whom i'm attracted and would consider a relationship with and the gender role I play in society, those are integral to my identity. Right. So that's just the first point you made. Secondly, I do see queer as specifically, you know, not cissexual or cisgender heterosexual normative. Right. And if you are a straight person, if you're a straight cisgendered person performing BDSM, you're not doing anything to queer the discourse. Exactly. That's You're not performing queerness, you're performing kink. Right. I 100% understand. I 
I really do agree with that definition. And I think that's one reason it's like, based on the way I phrased it, it almost makes it sound like, okay, well, gay is a sexual identity. How come it gets its own letter then? Well, it's because it also influences, like you said, your attraction to people like as an exclusive identity whenever you leave the bedroom too. Like whenever you're dating, you are gay because you exclusively like somebody who is also male or you're lesbian because you love someone else who is also female. Um, Like for example, I am pan and it's a sexual identity. Uh, it does influence my bedroom behavior, but whenever I leave the bedroom and whenever I'm outside in the world, it all also does influence my decisions when it comes to like choosing somebody to be a romantic partner. So it is very much a part of, again, my identity outside the bedroom. Yeah, and my understanding of queer also comes from, like, a theoretical standpoint as well. So you have to, like, I don't know. I haven't really written down my thoughts on it, and it's almost a little too hard for me to think about in the moment. I was going to say, well, I understand it is a difficult topic, but do you want to take a minute and should we actually discuss it, like, before going into a discussion on like gender identity formation not gender identity but like lgbt identity formation Um, or do you want to just charge in and we'll just sort of develop the discourse as we go yeah so our original plan was just to talk about coming to terms with our queer identity whether that be sexual orientation or gender identity um and i wanted to open up this discussion with like just you know some like content notes about use of the possible slur queer right uh and then we got really philosophical i mean that's the nature of this podcast Uh, baby yeah i would rather just go ahead into the identity thing then let's dive in and open up our comment section for our two fans to hash out a debate do we want to give a shout out to those two fans because i can pretty much name them off the top of my head do it all right first of all hello maggie hey maggie also hello trey hey trey also i know a few other ones that might like sometimes watch but i don't know if i'd consider them full-on fans i'm looking at you austin austin subscribed i think he listens every okay then he also gets to be a fan hello austin hey and if you'd like your name called out also like subscribe and interact with us and also consider joining our patreon yeah leave a comment if you actually listen to this because let me tell you those feet pics of connor are going fast <laughs> yeah i can pay my medical bills now thanks everybody who pitched in his cosmetic foot surgery is scheduled for next month <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna be vlogging the entire way oh my gosh so, sorry, before I completely derailed that conversation, <laughs> um, where do we even want to start when it comes to identity formation? Well, actually, I think I do have one comment I want to make before we do fully dive in. Go for it. I think it's also important for people to know that you and I, particularly, we do share one commonality, like, even though that we are completely you being a bisexual man and me being a transgender pan person, um... We do share one commonality that makes us kind of unique in our situation, and that is we're both from South Carolina. Oh, shit. So we, I forgot about that. Exactly. We have some cultural coloring that we do have in common that is not exactly shared by the rest of the country or the world, for that matter. So we probably will need to address how that played into, at least I know for a fact it played into my identity formation. Um, I, don't, I can't really speak for you, but that's something I'm going to be informed with whenever we talk about it. It will be an interesting intersection section i don't know by listening to you and by sharing my own experience perhaps it'll come to light beautiful especially considering we just recently put out an episode about christian music hell yeah hell yeah heaven yeah heaven yeah (laughs) 
Uh, Violet, why don't you... Do you want to start us off? Where would I start? So, Violet. Yeah. I don't know if I know this about you or not, but do you have, like, a specific memory? Or maybe now that you're grown up and fully inhabiting your trans identity, can you look back into the past and, like, recognize a moment and be like, oh, yeah, that was, that was like, trans? Oh, absolutely. I Connor, the problem with that being trans is there's so many of them. Like, there's not just one moment I was like, oh, there we go, trans. Um, There were so many different subtle indicia. For some people, it's more subtle than others. But for me, I can name several points and um, just in wrestling with them, even as a kid and not knowing how to really approach the situation. Um, Would you like me to talk about those or talk about just the idea in general of wrestling with them? If you could give like one or two instances that you feel truly illustrate the point and then maybe comment on whatever feels appropriate. Okay. Um, in that case, I will say, even as a kid, I grew up an only child, had no brothers, sisters, lived in the middle of the fucking country with no like other people my age. So like everything I was going through emotionally, I was on my own to figure that shit out. And again, rural South Carolina, you're not going to get much support from like any sort of LGBT elders or anything. And it needs to be known, this is like my first instance I can think of. This happened like 2000, like 1999 or 2000. I didn't have internet. There was nothing. You were by yourself. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is I remember watching The Little Mermaid on VHS because that's the only thing we had. We didn't have a DVD player in my house until 2005 or 6. I would watch A Little Mermaid and I just remember like crying my eyes out to the point I was inconsolable and then I would just rewind that movie and watch it again. And the reason why is because especially with the song Part of Your World, I just remember having this weird, weird empathetic sadness with Ariel about the idea of like longing for something or longing for a life that you can't entirely get. And the idea of like, I'm not happy where I am but I'm now like really really aspiring to be someone else or at least to aspire to understand a life of someone else because that's what feels right for me. I didn't even have the words to identify what that feeling was yet um and that was one of the few things that like I remember looking back and thinking oh oh you poor baby because I just remember feeling so alone and thinking what's this weird feeling if I don't fit in and what am I looking for what is it that feels wrong within me and why am I hurting so much vicariously through Ariel singing about wishing she was somebody else or part of a different world was that too heavy to start out on no that's perfect you can't be light when you're talking about being a trans kid ain't that the truth and I guess the other one that I'd say would be like really openly transgender um as a memory if my mom is listening i'm going to tell her this isn't the best one to listen to even though she already knows the story because i've told it to her but just like i'm going to talk more about the emotion that went into it when i was like in elementary school i don't remember what age i was really fascinated with cosmetics i thought cosmetics were really cool and i wanted to experiment with them which like a lot of kids do gender experimentation but i really liked the idea of wearing them and i knew that was something that was more ascribed to feminine qualities and there was something affirming about that to me well one day when my parents were out of the house my dad was at work my mom was doing something i think she was getting groceries or something i knew i had the house to myself for a while i experimented with her cosmetics i put on makeup i put on like all sorts of stuff i put on eyeshadow taught myself how to do like mascara a little bit and then of course you wash it off you go about your day pretend like it didn't happen until 
I painted my nails, <gasps> which doesn't sound like a huge deal until you remember, hey, when you're in elementary school, you don't know painted nails don't just come off with water. Eventually, my mom came home. She saw that I had painted nails, even though I tried to scrub it off with water because, again, that shit don't come off. You got to use special solution for that. Here's a situation I want you to imagine. She walks into the bathroom. I'm on the verge of tears. She doesn't understand why. She sees my hands. She sees that they're painted. She quietly, without saying a word, takes the solution to wipe them off, puts it on like a little piece of toilet paper, and goes one by one, all in complete silence, and takes off the, like, fingernail polish from every single finger. She then leaves the bathroom without a word. I leave the bathroom without a word. I go to my room, and neither of us talk to one another for two days. Two days of straight radio silence between me and one of my parents. I felt guilty. I felt horrifying. I felt like an abomination. I felt like I was some abysmal cretin from Satan himself. I felt like I had disappointed and completely just ruined the balance of my family and that the worst thing I could ever do in the world was to encourage what I had just done and that it, the only way to ever make it up to my family would be to completely suppress those urges ever again. When um, my mom took me to school the day after, we, like the two days after, we were stopped talking. Without a single word, she got in the car, I was sitting in the passenger seat, I just turned to her and say, I'm not gay. And she says, well, I should hope not. And that's where it ended. So, Violet. Yes? I think I've actually heard that story before, right? I think so. Probably. Because that was like, that's the most robust memory I have. Right. I believe you've told me this story before. But hearing you say it now in such a public context, like for some reason... I'm like so moved. It's a memory. It's what you have to do with and deal with. And that on top of other cultural factors growing up in South Carolina is the day that I pretty much decided I'm going to live in the closet forever. I didn't come out of the closet until I was already in my 20s. So and not even like early 20s, like I had already moved to Colorado when I came out. So yep, that's where we're at. I'm glad that it moved you. And I hope it's relatable. Well, I hope it's not relatable. But I hope some (laughs) people I hope someone out there finds solace in the fact where it's like, Oh, God, that's an uncomfortable situation. I had to deal with dysphoria myself, but not through quite a direct way. But enough about I love you very much. I love you. Thank you, Connor. And I'm so sorry, like my sincerest condolences, not apologies, but condolences from where you started off and just profound hope for where you might find yourself in the future. Thank you. Before we continue, though, I kind of want to turn the question to you. What were some of the first moments that you can ever, what were one or two memories you can think of where you were like, hey, I don't think I'm exactly like maybe other kids or I feel like I have something different about it. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to match the emotional intensity of your story. Nor should you. I do remember, you know, being a kid and loving watching like cartoons and like for some reason I was always like really excited whenever like a cartoon character lost their pants and you could see their butt. I yeah, like literally <laughs> this is how I came to terms with the fact that I have a humiliation kink. Um <laughs> just kidding. Oh no. Not kidding. Um, anyway, hey everybody. I'm just like really off kilter right now. Like, um. No worries, me too. I promise. I mean, I guess we're talking about like childhood and gender confusion. Not gender confusion, identity confusion. <laughs> um. 
<laughs> I mean, okay, I didn't struggle with my gender, but I remember like going to bed as a kid wearing my dad's t-shirts and I would lie in bed pretending it was a dress and I was a girl. It, it didn't turn out to be like a trans thing to my knowledge. Right. To your knowledge. But um, I don't know. Um, other than that, in terms of sexual identity, like, I know you mentioned, like, seeing characters without pants, but was there ever a moment where you thought, man, I might actually be bi? Right. So, um, I remember, like, being a kid and watching Cartoon Network and, like, Dexter's Lab, and I think it was really just Dexter's Lab, where it's, like, in a few episodes, he was, like, naked, and, like, I was really excited when you could see his butt. And it's not that I was even, like, sexually attracted, but it was just, like, fascinating to me that it's like oh my god naked people and then interesting yeah i think it like definitely shows that i have like a humiliation kink now gotcha not that i want to be humiliated but like i like watching people get humiliated interesting anyway this is not what you asked uh <laughs> the wine is hitting connor what's it like to be by oh i remember when i found my humiliation fetish <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there bisexual people who don't know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Look into yourself. Oh. <laughs> not you, Violet, but audience members. Look into yourself if you are also bi and ask yourself, do I not love a good humiliation? <laughs> anyway, so no, like moving on from like that, I, as I grew up, I was just like obsessed with like fictional characters being naked. And at one point, I didn't even notice it myself. Like, somebody pointed out how it's like, wait, but that's a dude. I only get excited when I see girl people naked. And I was just like, oh huh and like this was like before i really understood what gay even was i was definitely in like a school setting where gay was like an insult for stupid before we actually even understood what homosexuality was and i was just like well that's strange because i like seeing anybody anybody any space body (laughs) what's wrong nothing's wrong with you um thank you violet the correct answer is you drunk off wine. Oh, that's fair. Well, I thought you meant sexually. Oh, there's plenty wrong there too. Trust me. Fair enough. I remember being in like middle school and like thinking like homosexuality is a sin, but it doesn't really apply to me. And then, <laughs> and then every like, southern politician ever. Yeah. Well, because I didn't really understand. Like, I was just, like, I was a literal idiot, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm getting crushes on girls. Like, exclusively only being attracted to women. But in but when I watch TV, like, fictional men, I'm p- spending the same amount of attention on them. Right. And then it wasn't until, like, late middle school, the end of eighth grade, the beginning of freshman year of high school, where I suddenly realized realize like oh damn i am attracted to men as well as women gotcha it wasn't really a struggle for me in the way that the narrative seems to imply there should be like a struggle with like coming to terms with your sexuality because i went straight from like realizing i have this attraction to like instantly bemoaning oh no but like straight men won't like me back So it's never, I never like hated myself 
for having attraction to men i went straight to like oh no i feel this way but there's like a chance that they won't feel it back and so it's not that i have to repress my feelings because they're wrong i have to repress them because i'm like so invested in being like the cool and unaffected mysterious boy on campus and it's like (laughs) my god connor i just don't want to i just don't want to like let somebody know i'm attracted to them and they're not attracted to me back you are like a particular type of person you like you're like every homestuck fan i've ever heard of oh my god don't bring homestuck into this what wait you know about homestuck violet i'm like the only person who's still reading it's true i didn't know about it until i met you (laughs) guess who introduced me to homestuck did you say guess who yeah it was my first girlfriend because i was dating girls oh that's right because i'm bisexual i remember you telling me about them all right, Connor, I have a follow-up question for you if you're ready to go down this road. Sure. Now tell me, what was your coming out story like? Oh my god. I mean, if you have one. So I've had a few. Oh, I've got oh, a couple. I'm very interested. So like, I didn't have like a legit coming out story with my friends because I was one of those friend groups where we were all like ostensibly straight. And then one by one, we were all like, eh, we're all a little gay. And we all know I swear it, to right? God, Richland <laughs> County is a different world. <laughs> I went to like I was in like the richest like most urban part of the city where to fucking god Columbia might as well have been the fucking moon from where I grew up yeah we're like the one blue county besides Charleston anyway and it's like we all became friends with each other while we thought we were straight and then one by one we all just like are like and you know you only live once right so i never came out to my friends but um have you heard about me coming out to my cousin i don't think i have like i mean obviously i know your cousin but like i don't think i've heard the story of you coming out to him (laughs) okay well i was with my cousin ryan and our mutual friend daniel in south carolina oh no and we were all just hanging out one night and i don't know why it came up but like we started talking about my sexuality and i was like oh yeah i'm bi and ryan like did not believe me and like to his credit it's not that he was like homophobic biphobic whatever it's that um i have like a past of gaslighting him i used to psychologically abuse my cousin i totally can see uh, that because i was like very weak and shrimpy and everybody in my life could beat me up so i learned how to be like a psychological agent anyway and it carries on to this day (laughs) so anyway So Ryan, like, didn't know if he could trust me or not. He was like, Connor, stop fucking with me. Connor, stop. I'm like, Ryan, I'm not fucking with you. I am bisexual. I am attracted to men and women. And then Daniel, being like the little, like, hell's agent that he is, was like texting Ryan behind my back, like, uh, he's fucking with you, Ryan. He and I had this plan to like freak you out and you're getting really worked up. Oh my up. god. <laughs> he was He he is the real mastermind. <laughs> he is the real sociopath of the situation. He was like he was like Ryan, you're freaking out a lot. So I just want you to know Connor's lying to you and we hatched this scheme <laughs> just to make you upset. So keep playing along. <laughs> So Ryan, like, straight up didn't believe me (laughs) until, like, years later when I had a boyfriend and he met him. (laughs) All right. So now I'm going to talk about when I came out to my mom. Okay. Which is hilarious. Tell me. It was after freshman year at Winthrop. 
So I'm about to start my sophomore year of college. And my mom and I go out to a Mexican restaurant together. And we're just sitting at the table. We're eating. And she just says, who's the person you've had a crush on for the longest time? Or like, what was the longest crush you've ever had? Or she said, who? And I stopped and I started to think about it. And I guess I was thinking for too long. And she said, the girl you've had a crush on the longest. And I like instantly answered the question like, oh, no, no question. <laughs> you know, it was oh, this girl. Gotcha. And my mom was like, have you ever had a crush on a boy? And I was like, yeah, I was trying to figure out which one was longer, the boy or the girl. <laughs> and she was like, um, are you gay? And I was like, no, I'm bisexual. I like both. And she was like, um, were you ever going to tell me? And I was like, you know, I had like this policy where I understood that about myself and I had come to terms with it and I didn't figure it was anybody else's business. I was just going to keep living my life how I wanted to. And if somebody was curious, they could ask me and I would tell them the truth. And that's why I waited until you asked me to tell you the truth. That's fair. And... You know, three years later, I had my first long-term serious boyfriend. And it wasn't until after I had told him I loved him that I went home and told my dad, like, Hey, I have a boyfriend and I love him. Hey, BT dubs. My dad was like, oh, what? And I was like, did you, did you like never suspect? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, sure, dad. Were your parents accepting, though? Uh, I think so. Gotcha. There was never, like, a you're going to hell weird, like, condemnation talk. Well, my dad said he's not gonna fucking kill me. <laughs> well, that's already... And that was the language he used. He's like, well, I'm not going to murder you or anything. And I was like, great. Love that for us, dad. Thanks, dad. Thanks for not killing me when I come out to you as bisexual. I mean, I hate to admit it, but you're over the 50% mark for most Southern kids. Yeah. And I mean, I brought my boyfriend over to the house several times. Aw. So... I don't know. Whether or not they accepted me, I lived my life the same way, regardless. I'm very curious, because I'm noticing one member of your family has not mentioned any stories. What did your sister do when she found out? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked, because I forgot until you asked me. Do you know what this bitch said? Oh, please tell me. She was like, oh, Connor, no. (laughs) Bisexual people are so slutty. Just be gay. She literally said that to me. Can I tell you just how much I love her? Oh my god. (laughs) My sister's an icon. She was like, Connor, no. My people are so slutty. Just be gay. Oh my god. All the objections to have. I mean, is she wrong? I mean, I'm a huge prude. Like, I'm celibate. I was gonna say, I'm pan, which is like the ultimate, like... It's like bi plus one, kind of. And frankly, I'm also very prudish accidentally. <laughs> very much accidentally. I just don't like have a huge sex drive. I just fall in love with... I, I treat relationships like lesbians. You know, I just like... I fall in love and then I like yearn for them from a distance. I don't know. I've actually met several lesbians in my life who are very much horn dogs. Okay, just kidding. I treat my life like a bisexual woman where it's like, yeah, if a man chases me, I'll fuck him. But if I ever fall in love with a girl, I'll just yearn 
I'll just pine for her from a distance. Uh, maybe I'm just hanging out with different people in Win- I mean, not Winthrop, in Denver, but um, I also know some bisexual women here in Denver who, like, I have had to pull them off of somebody at a club because they asked me to once. Okay, the bi girls that I know off of Tumblr. There we go. That's a different, that's a different grouping. We'll just cut this out. I don't want to generalize anybody of any, like, sexuality or gender. That's fair. Oh my god. I live my life just yearning after people and never acting on it. I so I'm not a slut. I understand. I I have a medium level sex drive. Like it's not the most ambitious in the world, but like it's not non existent. I still do have needs, but it's not even a problem with sex drive, but like I'm at a weird point in my life where it's like right now that's not at all what I can be focusing on and therefore I've just not really been pursuing anything. Like I don't remember if we've published that episode or not, but there was an episode where I actively on the episode just like like shut down my, my Tinder profile file oh i forgot that happened in one of the episodes yeah and i've never put it back up like it's still shut down my tender profile is and i'm not putting that up until i get like a lot of stuff in my personal life stream same girl same i have no dating profiles i probably said the same thing while you were deleting your tender possibly i was on bumble for a while and i really like bumble but i just i don't know just didn't keep up with it also i did have some success on um tinder because i actually met somebody who i really really enjoyed and i had like easily one of the best first dates in my life via tinder but um i don't know i just ultimately wasn't ready to take it anywhere because i still had some stuff i needed to clear up and so we didn't go any farther than the first date sad but true yeah so connor yes i'm trying to think of another question to ask you that's very much in line with this talk of identity formation do you not have a nice coming out story oh that's right i completely forgot i didn't tell mine wow okay um i guess i'll tell mine now i didn't technically come out in one fell swoop i came out like two or three times and it's just my parents were like low-key didn't it was such a big news moment my mom and dad actually like completely rejected it and like repressed it at least once like i did it once and then i had to do it again months later <laughs> and um the entire week before i came out to them i was having horrible horrible nightmares about it too i was having nightmares that like they hired somebody to abduct me in my sleep and take me to a conversion camp up in north carolina oh my god even though i was living in colorado and the shipping charges on on that would have been insane <laughs> the shipping charge yeah to ship me from colorado up. to north carolina it's like why would you do that just find one locally there's got to be one in colorado i mean it's illegal in colorado but pff, people still do illegal things all the time anyway the point is i was having nightmares about being abducted and taken to a conversion facility the entire week before i came out to my parents and um eventually i realized you know what there's never actually going to be a good time to do this there's never going to be an easy time so i just kind of have to do it and i did and uh lord help me that was a conversation so much of a conversation that i've had at least two or three phone calls with my mom since then i'm not painting her well with my stories even though she's actually like grown to be pretty supportive but um we love you mom it's true thank you for listening and thank you for supporting me and eventually coming around but in the early days of all this conversation there are like two or three phone calls i like legitimately cannot remember because i hysterically blocked them out i remember one phone call and it sounds weird to say i blocked it out then followed up with i remember a phone call but i just remember sitting in my car outside of my apartment that i'm currently living in 
um, this past summer and having a conversation with my mom, but I don't remember a single word that was said. I just remember the feeling of everything going completely numb and me going inside and going to sleep and waking up the next day and not remembering anything that was said, but her being really, like, concerned about me and me being like, I legitimately don't know what you said and I frankly don't want to know because if I blocked it out that hard, I'm good not knowing. (laughs) Yep. Woof. A woof indeed. Uh, Okay. Yep. So Violet, you've just told us some really heavy stuff. Do you have like a way of letting us know that it like, it gets better? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I just mentioned that some of the phone calls that I had with my parents after I came out were like so bad that I actually have repressed and completely blocked them. Like I physically cannot access those memories right now. Like as try as I might, I just have no idea what was said. But I started Hormones in October 2018. It's currently March 2020. A couple months ago for Christmas, I actually came up with a plan and my parents were at this point that I was going out on a limb, but I tried asking and it worked out well. And I asked my mom, I said, hey, you know what? I don't actually haven't decided on a middle name yet. Would you like to be a part of helping me come up with a middle name? And she said yes. And she sent me a list of 30, like to like 31 middle names she thought would really work with my name. Aww. And I actually sent her back, like, a list of, like, hey, these are the ones that stick out to me most. Let's talk about these. I sent her back. I love that. I sent her that list this past weekend. So, again, I grew up in South Carolina, Southern conservative, ostensibly, like, a dude for most of my life. It can always get better, even when it feels like it never will. It always can. Well, now that this episode has gone on so long, I'm tempted to say this might be a two-parter. Hey, I'm down for it if you are, my dear. All right, audience. So this was just the beginning of our journey into the complicated world of identity formation with queer identity. Ho, ho. Man, there has to be a smoother way to say that, but we'll save that for part two. That's fair. I mean, I guess the smoother version would be queer identity formation. Wow. Oh my god, you should be an editor. Or LGBT identity. Wow. Oh my god, Violet, you're blowing my mind. Uh, Connor, wait, I hear something. Do you hear that? What is that? No. It's the outro music. Uh, Oh shit. We better hurry and wrap this shit up, yo. Okay, so this was the end of part one of Queer Identity Formation. Join us next time where we get into some other heavy shit. Okay, bye, love you. Bye, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.